Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. We're just getting back together. It's been Woo-hoo! so long since since we sat around, talked Utah football. Uh, before we get into that, though, we will have Brett Ciency from Pick 6 Preview jumping in, getting everything that we need to know about the Utes and about all of P5 football. I'm Cameron, and I got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? It's good to be back. And unfortunately, we got Scott. I tried to kick him off during this period. We didn't, we weren't podcasting, but Scott, welcome back. It was touch and go on renewing his contract. My uh, my agent uh, was able to get the deal done last second, so I'm. Uh, it's good to be here, and thanks for that pay raise, by the way, Cam. <laughs> I will say, even though I mean it's been a while since we've been able to get together, just a lot going on in our personal lives. You guys have been hanging out. You just don't include me in any of your stuff, so it's actually nice to be in the same room with you guys for the, what since forever. What have we included you in? We're trying to get you to golf. That's that's what, what you, you fans we, do in the offseason. We just went to Top Golf with you last week. What are you talking about? And who organized that? Me. And who won? Me. <laughs> All right. So honestly, I, I wish we had video of that. Let's talk some Utah football. It, it's been forever. What an off season for the Utes. It, it, in my opinion, this off season's it, it, been going on for like two years. It, it couldn't have gotten any better for Utah. Uh, all the transfers coming in. Charlie Brewer at quarterback. Theo Howard at wide receiver. The list is just endless. Winning him and this coaching staff have just been hitting it out the park, bringing all these transfers in. Well, yeah, I mean, you didn't even touch on the running back position, which the entire position is basically new outside of uh, Micah Bernard. So, I mean, you, you look at you look at T.J. Pledger, transfer from Oklahoma, uh, Tavian Thomas, transfer from Cincinnati, who I want to talk about here in a minute, Chris Curry from LSU, obviously Ricky Parks comes in in, in, uh, in last year's class. Just a whole new uh, a whole new look you're going to see from that position at um at the running back position obviously due to uh to the uh unfortunate loss of Ty Jordan which is just you know still kind of a black black cloud that kind of hangs over the program with uh, with his passing but you know I mean just a just an infusion of 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 talent but I think the thing that I take away from this and what I'm absolutely loving what Kyle Whittingham is doing with the transfer portal is it you're not just going and getting talent. You're getting experienced talent. Kyle McDonald, who obviously the running backs coach for the Utes, he talked about that this week and said, look, we got guys who transferred into the program who've won a national championship, who played in huge bowl games, 
who have been in big moments throughout their career. So you're not getting guys in here that just have potential. You're getting guys that have done it and who have played in big games. They know how to prepare, and then they can pass that on to some of these young guys like Ricky Parks. And Britton Covey. Britton Covey. <laughs> Ryan is right on cue, baby. Right on cue. No, but I, I just, I mean, where, where do we start? Honestly, where are we starting, Cam? I really want to jump into the wide receivers because that's a, a group that I think we were all concerned about with the two transfers in Nakua and Thompson and then having a Guy Holiday not being renewed on contract, letting let go. To me, that was the biggest kind of red flag going into the season was wide receivers. And bringing in Theo Howard, an experienced uh, wide receiver, we've seen him at UCLA in the past. But then you bring in a new coach in, in Coach Bumpus that it, it, he's hitting the ground in, in recruiting. And then what we saw in the spring with Devon Vele. You got Jalen Dixon returning too. I didn't, Yeah, I totally forgot Jalen Dixon is back on the team. I, I think for me, the wide receiving group really was a surprise coming into the season just because I thought the cupboard was going to be so bare uh, going in. I, I think you're right. And, and Scott put together a list here that has 11 names on it. I mean, I think if you talk to us, and 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 uh, Ty Young Smith, he's been on it for eleven straight years, <laughs> and that's why he's number eleven. But but I think you're right, Cam. I think when when last the shortened season of last year ended, and we had those guys transfer out and the coaching change, I think we all thought this was going to be a weak spot. I, I I don't know that necessarily we know how deep it is outside of maybe the top four or five guys, but. Now there's 11 guys on here that potentially will will see the field, and I think it's a lot stronger. And with the the um, the new coach, which I think is is an upgrade personally, I I think that I think that we're in for a good season out of the the wide receivers. Well, and I think with the wide receivers now, you're not going to have to rely on a Brant Keithy or a Fotheringham to, to carry the passing game uh, for this team. And if you look at it beforehand, when Thompson and Nakua transferred out, or all Utah had was Brent Covey and Solomon Enos that had any sort of real experience in there. And we all thought Solomon might be on his way out too. You bring back Dixon, as you said, Ryan. You bring in Howard. And then with the immersion of, of Vele, now this position group, yes, it, it still has... Maybe, uh, you know, maybe out of all the offensive groups, it's probably maybe on the bottom, um, but it's not as as drier as what it looked like. Is that the right word? Dire? dire, dire. That's what I'm looking for. It's not as dire as it was a couple months ago. But but I also think you're right when you're not. You say you don't want to rely so heavily on the wide receivers. Both, or I mean, on the tight ends. Both of those tight ends can produce, and you want to utilize them. Oh no! Don't get me wrong. You you mean they got to be the focal point. Right, yeah, Keithy yeah. has to be your number one. You can do so many star things on that with offense Keithy's, with with Keithy. And... Well, you're going to see Keithy running the ball. You're going to see him on fly sweeps. You're going to see. I mean, they've even alluded to that he's going to do more than he's done in the past. So you're going to see him lining up in the slot, in the backfield, out wide. Heck, you may see him in wildcat. I mean, they're going to utilize him all over the field. So. You know, yeah, he's still going to be that number one target, and he should be. But now you've got you've got wide receivers. You bring in Theo, Theo Howard, Cam. You're not all that high on Theo. 
uh, from our previous conversations. Ouch. But 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 he's a guy who's proven. He's a guy that's got experience. And yes, is he going to come in and catch for a thousand yards? Probably not. But he's a guy that can help lead this team, provide some leadership. He's a guy that is going to be able to go and make some important catches at a game. You're, he he's he's got that proven track record. But then you you've got I mean Jalen Dixon, he's the deep threat, right? You're going to continue to use him. In, um, and from what we've heard, Vele could be a deep threat too. Well, they, the thing about Vele that intrigues me is the guy's got so much ability. Whether it's over the middle, short, deep, he's got he's got a big body, good hands. The question with him is he's he's been thriving at practice for like three years now. When the lights come on in the games is where he's had his issues. So can he overcome that? If he can, if so. Wow. Then we got. I think we got a potential star. We we know what you have in Britton Covey, you know. But Bryson Reeves, you know, he's he was in this last recruiting class. Not a guy that uh, um, you know has a lot of attention on him. And and I, I don't even know that we're going to see a ton of him from this year. So Bryson Reeves kind of reminds me of a David Reed type receiver. And granted, it's really early to be throwing out uh, um, projections like that. But I think he's got a lot of potential. Connor O'Toole, who was injured last year, big-time recruit the previous year, he's a guy, another big-bodied guy that's got a big cat, uh, um, radius to catch the ball. But then down on the list, a little old USC transfer. When was the last time we got a transfer at the wide receiver position from USC? I would say this would be the first. Recognize the name, you fans. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Munir McLean, Kyle Whittingham's a little goo goo gaga for Mr. McLean. Well, that just shows how much depth there could possibly be there. And what I like about that is you've got proven tight ends. You've got what looks like to be proven running backs. And you've got some standout wide receivers. If they can put it together... It it makes the offense wide open, and you and you can't the defense can't focus on shutting down one particular person. Well, if you put it together, how how are they going to put that together? It's going to come on the shoulders of either uh, Charlie Brewer or Cam Rising. Which team are you on? You team Rising? You team Brewer? I'm team Brewer I'm all the way. I'm team Brewer for right now. I I mean I I. I I don't I don't think you have much of a choice just from everything you're hearing that that Brewer's probably going to be the guy. There's a part of me that still wants Rising. I want to see him get that opportunity. Last year it was taken from him, obviously so early in the game in game one of the season. But I really don't know that you can go wrong with either guy. You know what you're going to get in Charlie Brewer. The guy's proven. He's put up. He's thrown for thrown for thousands of yards at Baylor, led them to a Sugar Bowl. The question is, his health. Can he stay healthy? Had some injury issues, concussions, which is always a scary thing. If you take a big pop and boom, you could be out of the game, and then you're then you're relying on your backup. So it's going to come down to one of those guys. But if you can get if you can get the Charlie Brewer that you saw in the spring game, fifteen for fifteen. I, I okay yes that's a it's a little misleading though, right? I mean, 
Brewer couldn't be touched in the spring game. Sure. He didn't really have a pass rush on him. Uh, he is being praised for his accuracy in practice, right? I mean, that's one thing that Covey, Covey has loves talked himself about. Covey's Brewer. been talking about it. I, I think for Brewer, the things that we, you know, are yeah, you hear out of interviews and whatnot is, is Brewer still got to get this offense down. He has the physical abilities to do it. It's just mentaling for him. Whereas Rising has this, has the offense down. As we talked with Jordan Wynn, you know, last season after his, after Rising's injury, Wynn was talking about the mental part of coming back from an injury like that. So I, I think it's going to be interesting whoever gets, whoever gets the nod. But I mean, we see this season after season. You got to have at least two guys at quarterback. You got to have two guys. Something always happens. You need to have more than two. I mean, in all honesty, in in today's game, and obviously, you know, I think Jaquidden Jackson. He's he's probably going to be that third guy unless Peter Costelli can, you know, having a phenomenal fall camp here. But I think you're going to see Jackson get some get some reps, probably in an unconventional type of way at the quarterback position. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously your top two guys are by far the most important, but, but you've seen it. I mean, we've seen injuries at the, U- at the quarterback position here at Utah and way too many of them. just, just last year and last year's injury gave us the, uh, gave us the Bentley experience, which I don't know if any of us want to revisit. I, well, yeah. I think, I, I think I read that you're still the president of his bank. Well, you know, once once you start it, you're it forever. He is. All right. Well, we're up it against. A, it was a low point in my life. <laughs> we're up against a break. Uh, when we come back, let's continue kind of breaking down this roster and and kind of the new guys on the team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, as, you know, as we're kind of breaking this roster down, obviously everything that's happened this offseason with the running back group has got to stand out. Scott, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you know, just the, the devastating loss to Ty Jordan. And, you know, it's crazy because I, I watched a highlight video of his on Twitter not too long ago. And it, it's it's just remarkable what a special talent he was. And, I mean, he's deeply going to be missed, not only on the field, but off the field. From everything we've heard, uh, just a great teammate, a great locker room presence. But Utah's got to move on. And Utah's made a big splash in that area, bringing in TJ Pledger, bringing in Chris Curry. And it's got one of your favorite guys, Tavion Thomas who you sound pretty excited about. You know what? It was not on my radar a week ago. I mean, obviously, I remember when he committed. He was a very late commit um, and a transfer from Cincinnati. But the more I've learned about him, and then obviously with uh, just listening to what Whittingham and Kyle McDonald have had to say in basically a week of fall camp, has I've just started going back and I've watched some highlights of this kid. I mean, for starters, do you remember when we got Chris Curry? 
LSU transfer, big boy. Thought, okay, that there, there's our third down back right there. So let's put this into perspective. Chris Curry is 5'11", 215. Big boy. Tavion is 6'2", 230. But they say he's got the speed of every other guy in the roster. Dude is a beast. Originally committed to Oklahoma. Decommitted from Oklahoma. Everyone thought he was going to switch to Ohio State. Ends up at Cincinnati. And and then transferred. Uh, but you go watch this kid's tape. He's big. He's got burst. Kyle Whittingham is sending him love notes at practice. I mean, there's there's something going on right there. And it would not surprise me because let's, let's look at last year, for example. Where was Ty Jordan in everybody's projections last year at this time? At he least like third, and he was the first third? one to see the field in game one. He, he, I don't even was he third? He could have been fourth going in. He was, he was, he was a name that was barely talked about, and he was kind of one of those guys. All right, down down the road, he'll get his opportunity, and, and except he, for and he, he can was be a, my standout last year. He was, he was. I mean, Ty Jordan just came out of nowhere last year and and turned into all world. You know, I, I honestly think as as good as Pledger, as good as Bernard, and we we kind of know what we got in Bernard, who's this absolute stud, and this Chris Curry. I I would not be surprised if Tavion by game two or three is your starter and getting majority of the reps. Interesting. I I honestly thought he was coming in to kind of be that that third down and one type back. I don't know. I'll tell you. You you listen to uh, what Kyle has to say. Um, both Kyles, Kyle McDonald, Kyle Winningham, they love this guy, and he's got size and he's got speed. That's. I mean, you don't see a lot of running backs at that level that are six two two thirty that can fly. That's a big boy. When you've got four guys that can play, I mean, whichever one of them gets the starting nod. I think you're going to be in a good spot. You just you just let it play out, and you put the best one on the field. Yeah, exactly. And and obviously, you know, obviously not in this in this class, but Jalen Glover. That's what I was just going to bring up. A huge commitment this week. Just stole him straight from the Gators wow. and the Seminoles down in Florida. And that pipeline to Florida has been nice for Utah. Thank you, Dennis Erickson, baby. Because <laughs> uh, Ricky Parks. Is from is a Florida kid. Yep. And now Glover. Well, I mean, obviously Glover's still in high school. Glover but is my lover. It's it's exciting what what this root. It's exciting what this running back group is becoming. And you know, over the years, Utah has had some great running backs, right? But it's been one guy. And it kind of seems like maybe they're kind of moving in this territory where they can have three or four guys every year that any one of them can kind of be that feature back. Yeah, I mean, and again, you just go back to last year. Well, after after a few games, it was clear Ty Jordan's the number one guy, but you still got valuable reps from Micah Bernard last year. You got some good reps early from Wilmore, um, you know, obviously before he took off. And so, you know, you're, you're still going to utilize these guys. Wh- whoever of that group rises to the top, yeah, they may see a majority of the carries, but all of these guys are going to have an effect on the offense in one way or another. All right, let's kind of switch gears a little bit, talk about the defensive side of the ball. I think probably the biggest news uh, with Camp Kyle kicking off is Max Tupai is no longer on the roster. For the third time. 
<laughs> it's a tradition it, it, it unlike no other. It's kind of have been hit or miss. Uh, but honestly, I, I think that I would like a little bit more experience on, on the DN side there. You either have uh, Van Villinger or Xavier Carlton kind of picking up that, that spot from Tupai left. Obviously, great potential, highly recruited guys, but not a lot of experience. They got both got some reps last season. I think Villinger got a little bit more. But I got to be honest, guys. It kind of makes me a little nervous. I'm not, not so much with me, I don't. Yeah, it's great to have the experience there, but to be honest, did Tupai ever live up to the expectations? That- he he had about a six game stretch, I believe it was about twenty eighteen, maybe it was it was twenty nineteen, where he was really good. He kind of emerged and was it was a force, and uh, well, it was it was the year we we played Washington and won the South title for the first time in in twenty eighteen and. He's had some good moments, but he hasn't been that constant force that maybe we all thought he was when when he committed to Utah. Um, you know, and 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 kind of to what's been mentioned, he's been in the program, he's been out a number of times, and so you know, it, it's one of those situations. Wish him nothing but the best, but you got to move forward with what you got. And I'm I'm kind of excited. I want to see what we have in Van Fillinger. I want to see what we have in Xavier Carlton. You know, even some of these young guys, Tyler Weegis, who is kind of, he's finally been able to put some weight on. He's a tall, lanky kind of speed rusher, um, you know, and, and, and I've, you've heard a lot of good things about Miki. I'm not saying that last name. And uh, <laughs> so do you have experience that you can count on? No, but I think you're going to be whoever, whether it's a combination or if one of these guys is uh, guys rises to the top. You're going to have production at that position, so I'm not. I'm not so much worried about a drop off. Um, I think we've got we've got talent there. One of these guys is going to take that opportunity and run with it. I mean, granted, yes, Fillinger and Carlton are technically freshmen, uh, but they did get reps last year. They did go through a camp. They did go through, you know, just a season of what it's like to be a Division One athlete how you need to prepare yourself for games, both physically and mentally. Uh, so it's not like they're completely true freshmen, kind of learning on the fly. Uh, but I do wish, like I said, I, I do wish there was that experience. Uh, but I, I, but don't get me wrong. Fillinger and Carlton, both local products, uh, you know, Corner Canyon and, and Juan Diego High School, uh, got to see them play a couple times uh, their senior year. So I, and that does excite me. To, to kind of get some new blood in there, but you know, it it's hard to beat experience. And I, I think Tupai, I'm 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 hoping Cam, I'm wrong, but you might miss him. How long have you been following Utah football? You don't worry about the D line. You just don't. With Kyle, with with uh, with Powell, and now with Puha, nothing to worry about. Our D line just reloads, baby. I mean, worst case scenario, if neither of those guys pan out. You could easily move Devin Kafusi inside, which is where he started last yeah. year. Yeah, and uh, you know, and, uh, you got Elijah Shelton, who's got some experience, transfer from Utah State. I, you know, not somebody who I would expect to come in and just thrive and be be the guy. But you've got you've got bodies there that are going to be able to uh, to to step into that position, and then obviously at the tackle position. 
I mean, you got like 12 Putu Taos on the roster. Um, <laughs> so it's like pick any family cousin relation and, and you're good to go on that one. You know, as we're talking about the, the D line here, let's kind of talk about their counterparts. O line, um, Orlando Mana transferred out of the program. I think a lot of that had to do with Nick Ford, you know, kind of solidifying himself as the starter at center. Uh, but, and I, offensive line, I think that's another one. That's going to be interesting to see what starting combination they get together. I don't care what season. the combination is. They it, they got to get it right, and they got to get it right out of the gate. They've been slow the a number of years at the O line coming out of the gate. And last year, I get it right. We had so many so much new blood on that offensive line all spring. They were moving guys around trying to find that right combination, and I just don't think they were ready to go early on against U.S., especially a team like USC right out of the gates. Whereas this year, now you've got some time, you've got some experience, these guys, and, and Jim Harding has even said in fall camp, they're not moving guys around as much. They're, they're, they're doing minimal adjustments because they want guys getting as many reps in the positions that they're going to be playing. So the game one, they're ready to go. And I and I, I I love that mentality, and I think I think you're going to see some progress early, but that is going to be the key. You have we've got to be able to protect the quarterback in the passing game, which has been a struggle of this O line for a little while now. Even even in 2019, with the great Tyler Huntley back there, oftentimes he was under duress, under pressure, escaping the pocket due to just a not not having a clean pocket. Well, we saw that with Zach Moss having to break tackles in the backfield all the time. We saw that last season with Ty Jordan uh, having to break tackles in the in the backfield. You know, if the quarter starting quarterback is Charlie Brewer, Scott, you mentioned kind of the injuries and concussions. That was one of his downfalls at Baylor's. They could not protect him. They couldn't keep him, you know, off of his back. And if he's going to be your starter, or even if it's rising, but if it is Brewer, that's one thing you do have to take in consideration. Is well, heck, even he if he can't get hit, even if it's rising, he's coming off an injury. <laughs> you got to protect him. One thing I'm excited about: we're finally going to see Bam Bam Tuna Can. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, we've been, buddy. We've been hearing about him for a couple of years now. He's he's apparently slimmed down to a beefy three hundred. And apparently the light switch has come on with what he needs to do to be successful. So kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you guys, how do you project this starting lineup? What are your thoughts as far as who plays where? Sounds like Bam's going to be one of your starting tackles, which, which is I, good to hear. It's good to hear, kind of surprising. I don't think any of us kind of would have predicted that maybe a couple months ago. Um, and as Ryan, you said, maybe it's kind of clicking more in his head um, to play at this level, right? I mean, he was able to kind of dominate at, at the the JC level. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of taken a couple of years. Hopefully he can continue to grow and solidify that left tackle spot. For me, I'm really, I, I, I'm a big Jaron Kump fan. I think what he showed well last season, and I think he'll just continue to kind of grow in, into that right tackle spot. I agree, and I think Laumia is probably the other solidified spot of the left guard, but I think the right guard's up in the air. I mean, we've got guys like Braden Daniels who have some experience. We've got Keaton Bills who has some experience. Um, Johnny Maia has, has had experience and, at, the, at the position. And Simi Moala has as well. Yeah, he, yeah he, that's what happens. He, he was kind of your right, right tackle. In. 
But but yeah, I mean, right? You've had you, you. I mean, you look. Our top ten guys all have reps, which is good. But then you wonder, like, why? Why have we not? We've we've kind of circled through all of these guys. And yes, you want experience. You want as as much depth as you can have. But again, it goes back to the old line. That's that one position. You don't want to be you need subbing continuity. guys in and, in and out. You want continuity. I mean, you look you look at 04, you look at 08. Those those old lines for those special years, same starters in game one as you had at the end of the season. And and that's which what part of, which part of it luck. Sure. Oh, for oh, yeah. sure. Luck, I mean, to keep an O line healthy for 11, 12 games. To keep There's an, some luck involved in that. To keep a lot of these position groups healthy, right? And that's where, obviously, the depth comes into play, and it, you're going to lose some guys along the way, so it's good to have that depth. But, yeah, that offensive line, obviously Nick Ford's going to be your, your starting center. Um, so I, I, I think that that uh, right guard, um, potentially even right tackle between uh, between Kump and Moala. Um, are going to be interesting to see who wins that job, and and probably whoever loses it, it's going to be you know probably be first off the bench essentially. Well, and I think I mean yeah, you're right. They're going to be rotating guys, but the, I think the fact is, and I think you hit it with Harding's comment, is they're not having to shift guys around all the time. There, that seems like for this off season for this camp, they're letting guys stay in their primary position. Yeah, they kind of need to do you know, learn another role just in case for injuries. But for the most part, it sounds like they're able to dedicate their time and their reps to that certain position. And I think that continuity across the line will play dividends in the season. All right. So I think that's kind of our thoughts of where this roster has gone the last couple months. Uh, Really looking forward to these guys out on the field as the season is slowly approaching. You know, one big thing this offseason, some renovations got completed in the south end zone. You two have seen it in person. I haven't seen it yet. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, let, let's kind of talk about some South End Zone, kind of what's going on there, how it looks. All right, so you two got dragged to... Some country. Drag, drag dude. I volunteered. You volunteered? Oh, yeah. yeah. Who Garth was it? Brooks. Garth Brooks. I can remember the dude's name. Oh, my gosh. So you were the one that missed out. Uh, I hey, I would gladly miss that. that well, if it was Jonas Brothers, feelings. would you have got. That row. would get you there? Front row. I. <laughs> I would have had watermelon sugar or, or the painted bee. across my chest. Or the do they sing watermelon sugar? I think so. I don't. Do they? Who? I have no idea. We're, I don't we're know. showing I our age right now. I, yeah, see the so, Jonas Brothers or Justin Bieber, he would have been at. I don't think. I don't think it's the babes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so South End Zones completed. There's been a lot of videos um, on social media about it, but again, you guys saw it, at least the outside of it in person. Overall thought, oh, it's beautiful. It's real, and it's spectacular. <laughs> here, here on that one. Yeah. No, it's it just it's it it changes the whole feel of the stadium. We went over after after the concert, sat in our seats, and and you look across to it. Just it almost makes the stadium feel smaller. It does. It almost, it's more homey's not the right word, but more intimate. It's it's going to be louder because there's more people, and, and it's, it's enclosed. enclosed. But it it I don't know. It just it completes it, and it but it does. It feels like you're 
a lot closer to that south end zone than we were before. Yeah, and it's it's just it it's beautiful to look at. Obviously, it's it'll be interesting to see kind of how how the team uh, you know how the team entrance um, how that gets worked out and kind of what they come up with there. I'm really anxious to see. Obviously, they have. They have put out that the the team will be coming through that uh, that center club, you know. Basically, if you run straight ahead, you're going to run into the goalpost. And uh, but it's going to be similar to what the Cowboys do, how uh, the team enters through the club. You got fans on both sides as they as they walk out to the field. And uh, and and the U has put out. Uh, I can't remember the price, but you can you can look it up online. If you want to be a part of that experience, um, you can actually purchase um, a pass that'll get you into that uh, into that space every game. You would obviously just still sit in your in your regular seats, but uh, you can be a part of that if that's something you want to do. And I believe there's food options uh, that are included in that uh, as well. So pretty cool thing. Which I think I think is going to be awesome. Um, we'll get rid of that stupid bounce house, <laughs> and they can actually uh, kind of have a more uh, I don't know, just a more traditional I think uh, entrance. I'm just hoping that the the marketing department uh, has come up with a, a good plan to to hopefully build some tradition with this new entrance. I'm sure they have. I mean, remember the old slogan: "Don't make us come get you." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how Utah. Utah has come a long ways and more than just on the football field in a number of years. But uh it, no, it's beautiful from the exterior. You know, we when the Garth Brooks concert happened, the interior wasn't uh completed and it was closed off, so we had we were unable to enter and see what that's like, but uh there is an open house coming up that's free of charge. It's a ticketed event. And uh, gives everybody an opportunity if they want to go online, get get yourself a ticket, come up and take a tour. I think the thing I'm most excited about it is, I mean, yes, the the noise, the atmosphere it's going to create, but it's going to be nice for the players to have some good locker rooms <laughs> for oh, yeah. games. Well, you can actually oh gosh, re- use it as a recu- recruiting tool. No, now, exactly. Well, before they, you were hiding it, but I mean, they they're going to have like a recruiting area for recruits when they come to watch games. Like, well, there there's a hype room. There's a there's a room dedicated to hype in in the master plans down there next to the locker room. Like if 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 any of you had seen what was there before, it was terrible. It was awful. Brigham Young brought it across <laughs> on the planes. Is <laughs> is what we had before. <laughs> All right, so we can't we cannot talk about the south end zone and not talk about the new field. Boom, it's beautiful. Are you guys okay with the... I love I, I was corrected. It. I love it's it. the interlocking use. Yeah, double, where'd you get double use That's from? what I always called it. That's what I thought everyone did, double use. And so my wife was making fun of me because well, she she's like, we're not Washington. <laughs> and so that's why I put a poll on Twitter and like... And over, you lost. Oh, it was like 90% I don't know of you that out I've there said it was interlocking use. Double use. Double use just rolls off the tongue better than interlocking use. But besides me being right and the 90% being wrong, what do you guys think? I think it's gorgeous. I, I like it. I Obviously, I'm a Drum and Feather fan. That's my number one logo for Utah, and it kind of seems like they're going away from it. But no, the, it, I, it, it doesn't seem it. like they're going away okay, from it. They're no, going they are, away from they it. They are, but I do like it more than the block U, the, the interlocking U, I should say. I like the interlocking U better than the block U, too, but I'll, I mean... All I think 
I think all of us are old enough to know that the true Utes is the drum and feather, and that'll always be the case, even if they go away with it or do away with it. But I, I do like the interlocking U, and I think the field looks fantastic with it. Well, I mean, you look at the graphics. The, the graphics on TV, whether it's Pac-12 Network, ESPN, Fox, have all been interlocking used for a number of years mm-hmm. now. Now the official website for athletics has interlocking U. All the social media profiles have interlocking U. Center logo, yeah, the Huntsman Center, basketball court, interlocking U. Now, now you get that in football, um, which, again, yeah, it's better looking than the block U. The block U is just bleh. But... In doing so, yeah, you're you're gonna lose what is the tradition of Utah, which is that drum and feather, which is unfortunate. So you get know, out there and buy that apparel before it's no longer made. If that is the case, I'll give up the drum and feather if we keep Utes. That's that's yeah. to me that's the most pivotal aspect of that is what we are. Yeah. We are the Utah Utes. We're not the Utah Red tra- Red Tail Hawks or the Moose or whatever. Ideas have been have come out there. Utah is Utah Utes. So the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> I mean, the Ute Indian tribe, they've stated on multiple occasions that that is an honor to them. And, you know, I don't well, want to... The, the get, Ute Proud stuff they're doing has been amazing. It has. I it's love awesome. when they come and do that. I wish they had more of that, honestly. I wish there was more. I wish there was more out there that would educate our own fan base, people in the region about the Ute tribes. There's more to learn from, more to understand. Because I think if, if, if people understood it more, they wouldn't be so easily offended by it. I'm sick of, I'm sorry, people who are not of Native American descent having an opinion on whether it's proper or not. Sorry, your opinion literally does not matter. <laughs> oh, here we go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so... We leave it up to the Ute tribe. If they want it, we get to keep it. It's their say, their say only. And I hope we have it for, I hope my grandkids are going up there, Ute, and celebrating the Utah Utes for years and years to come. I'm done. There it is, folks. All that from talking about the interlocking U or W. I knew it was coming. I heard him talking about this a couple of days ago been stewing it's been stewing i had to get it off my chest oh we'd love to hear what you have to say uh, on this topic uh especially about the the logo and, and where it's going uh you can always hit us up on twitter at utah man podcast uh, and it looks like you know we're ready to bring brett on uh we do gotta go to a commercial break we'll, when we come back we'll be talking with brent cnc from pick six preview Joining us now on the phone, it's become a, an annual tradition here. One of our favorite, you know, national media guys from Pick Six Preview, Brett Cianci. Brett, how are you doing? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, one of my favorite annual stops on my preseason tour here. It's my tenth annual season preview book, and uh, that released in July. And uh, what this is is once the confetti falls in January on the national title stage, I hunker down for seven months. Uh, calling coaches, calling coordinators, watching game tape, running my numbers, and then writing this thing. It's all 66 Power 5 teams. And, uh, of course, two years ago, I made a lot of friends out in Utah in Salt Lake City uh, by predicting that Utah would not only win the South, but uh, go to the playoff. 
and that made a lot of uh, a lot of rounds over in Utah. And if you remember, though, it was a nice ride. We made it all the way to the final day of the season uh, because it was a win and end scenario. If Utah were to beat Oregon there in the Pac-12 title game, they would have uh, earned a spot. And came up a little short. It was a heck of a run. But uh, we're back again here in 2021 now. And I think that that part of the cycle is back. I have Utah winning the South. And I love that. So let, let's actually hit that off. A huge fan of of the preview book, and it's the only one I get. And 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 you fans, it's the only one you need. I promise. You don't need to go out and spend a lot of money on all the other ones that you know that are flashy and all that. All you need is Pick Six Preview. I promise you, everything you need. So with that though, you have Utah winning the South. I was surprised, Brett. I'm not gonna lie. A lot of people have. USC is the favorite. I've even seen a couple people with ASU. Uh, Utah's been that two or three team. Why did you come to the conclusion, or why are you predicting Utah to to win the South? Yeah, well, there's a couple uh, key reasons. I mean, first off, uh, just from studying all 66 programs, you get to know their uh, their identities and what they're built on. And with Utah, it's it's excellent player development. I have a metric in here called my player development grade, and Utah is always at the top, number one or number two every cycle. Um, but really what that is, as a developmental program, they go in cycles. So uh, when it's veteran and when all the returning starters are back and they add a couple key transfers, it all clicks, like in 2019. Uh, then when they're younger on that side of the, you know, going through some growing pains, you see something like 2020. Um, but here we are again, the top of the cycle, where it's veteran. I think 10 starters are back on defense. Um, and then you've uh, patched up some of the you know, thin roster spots at the skill positions via the transfer portal. And, um, you know, it's a, one of the most proven coaching staffs in the conference and the nation. So there's really a lot to like. Uh, I picked USC correctly last year to win the South. Now, when you look back at their games and rewatch them, I mean, they were razor thin. They could have gone two and four. Uh, some of the way those games ended up, the miracle wins over Arizona and Arizona State and even UCLA was a fluke. Uh, so they were uh, their, their record last year, their five and a start was a bit misleading. Um, fast forward this year, Utah, like I said, they get all that. Uh, ahead of schedule reps from their young defenders in 2020, that pays dividends now. It's all experience and, uh, you know, it's a ton of returning production there behind an excellent coordinator and Coach Scally, who I had the chance to talk to this spring again, um, you know, just echoed what I just said about how experienced they are now. Um, you know, some growing pains, especially a very, very young secondary in 2020. But, uh, you know, here's really the kicker. And if you want to summarize it in one point, um, you know, they lost nine starters after 2019 on defense. So you think, okay, that's going to just crater the team in 2020 and it'll be a total transition um, or a rebuild, as some say. Instead, they just reloaded. Uh, Utah finished number one in Pac-12 rushing defense, number two in yards for play on D, and number three in scoring defense in the Pac-12. So what was supposed to be the rough rebuild year, they stayed in that top two or three, and now all that's back a year veteran. So um, a lot to like. I really like Utah this year. I mean, yeah, you, you you touch on that defensively. Obviously, Utah, you know, year in and year out, they're just built defensively. That you know, you know what you're going to get from them defensively. It's the offense has kind of been the issue. Obviously, Utah goes out and hits the the transfer portal hard this last off season, um, bringing in T.J. Pledger from Oklahoma, um, Chris Curry from LSU, and then obviously Charlie Brewer um, from Baylor at the quarterback position. Kind of give us your thoughts on, obviously, Brewer, but these transfers and how they're going to affect this offense this year. 
Yeah, so really, uh, I mentioned it was my 10th year, and I can honestly say this was the, the hardest of all 10, uh, just given, well, obviously first with 2020, just the, the shortened season and the inconsistent amount of games, the lack of non-conference play to really compare across divisions and conferences. But what I was getting at was the transfer portal explosion this summer really made it tough uh, from a one-man show trying to do all 65 rosters. So you can imagine, um, you know, you type a paragraph out and, and go and edit it, a week later, the guy transfers. So, But uh, long story short, uh, I got this thing out uh, late July, so I was able to get all the edits in. Meanwhile, the other ones on newsstands are out there collecting dust in April and May. So, um, But, yeah, when, when you're talking transfer portal, Utah really won the portal this year, especially at uh, the offensive skill positions. Uh, you mentioned Curry and Pledger from playoff caliber teams there at running back. Um, Charlie Brewer, a four-year starter. Even a four-star dual-threat quarterback, LaQuinn and Jackson, coming up from Texas. And uh, Theo Howard, he's amassed uh, you know, 1,500 uh, yards across two schools, UCLA and Oklahoma, even added an experienced U- USC receiver. So just a ton of firepower and from proven programs too. These aren't you know, FCS guys coming up or, uh, or two-star guys. These are proven four-star and, and multi-year starters. So um, that, that really caught my eye as well. Because um, like you said, you, you know you have pretty much the defense um, and there was always kind of a lack – well, to go back uh, quite a few years, there was a lack usually at the receiver core. That started to change in 18 and 19, and now when you look at it, it's a pretty complete unit. So that kind of goes uh, goes to show how they've kind of revamped their offensive roster over the last couple cycles. Um, but then to your point about Charlie Brewer specifically, yeah, there's a lot to like. Um, how often can you land a four-year starting quarterback uh, transfer? So that's incredible right away, just the, the sheer experience he brings from the Power 5 level. Um, you know, some ups and downs, though. Uh, in 2019, it was definitely an up. It was a, it was an unlikely surge to the Big 12 title there from Baylor. Uh, posted 3,000 yards, 21 touchdowns. And um, when you watch his game tape and highlights from 2019, really sharp on deep balls and intermediate balls. Uh, you know, let his guys go make plays in the red zone with jump balls. So I really liked that that year for him. Last year, a little bit of a step back. Uh, the touchdown to interception ratio fell. Um, he looked kind of banged up throughout the year, some, some lingering injuries or concussions. Uh, so, so fast forward a year to 2021, not sure what you're going to get, whether it's the, the good or the bad. Um, but at the very least, you have a four-year experience veteran. Uh, and I think, I think I'm rambling here, but uh, you know, I think you're going to get a legit fall camp battle from Cam Rising. You know, along those lines of, with the transfer portal, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what, What's if something changed with Utah because or is this just a fluke where they landed these four star guys or is the transfer portal just becoming so such such a big thing that you're bound to land some of these guys from time to time? Well, no, I mean, I, yeah, there's a lot of transfer going on. Obviously, I think it was something like 1,500 players. Uh, so you're going to land guys. But what caught my eye was that it was legitimate four star players. Uh, veterans, guys, guys that have started at multiple schools. I mean, Theo Howard started all over the place at UCLA and Oklahoma. Um, TJ Pledger, I think he had like 600 yards rushing at Oklahoma, a conference champion last year. Um, so, uh, yeah, with what's happening here, I think you're seeing players realizing if they're getting a second chance at picking a college, uh, you want to go towards a, a staff that's proven. They have proven track records at Utah on both sides of the ball. Um, I know Andy Ludwig has only been here a few years, uh, was here uh, before that is his first original stint at Utah, but just in general, a trusted staff, especially defensively and especially with your head man Whittingham. Um, 
So, yeah, I just wonder if in the mindset of, of these players, if you're a backup at Oklahoma, but you know you can go compete for a Pac-12 title at Utah and get trained by some of the best player developers out there, um, if it's a good fit, then I think that's the right move. So you're seeing that happen. And so, Brett, kind of talking about that development, one thing that your that your book does that I absolutely love every year is the ranking of player development. And I love it because the last couple of years you've had Utah as number one. You've dropped Utah down to number three this season. So I, I got to ask you, what happened to Utah? Are they Should Utah fans be alarmed that they've moved back two spots? Not at all, because uh, nobody nobody went pro last year. They all came back to Salt Lake City. So uh, you're in for an extremely veteran team that's going to produce a ton of picks next cycle. So, uh, yeah, so what this is to the listeners that are unfamiliar, um, you know, recruiting is important. Everyone talks about recruiting, and you see the rankings every signing day. But uh, I think a lot of people stop there. You know, you got to take it a bit further, because uh, once you get these guys signed, you have four years on campus to develop them. Uh, you know, strength and conditioning programs, culture, fit, all those buzzwords. I needed a way to get a number on that just to, you know, I'm a numbers guy first, but uh, just to see really what happens those four years on campus. So what I do is compare your five-year recruiting average to your average uh, you know, NFL draft pick uh, production. So, you know, bring them in on signing day and what are you sending to the pros uh, and compare the two. So, uh, for Utah, for example, uh, you know, usually recruiting outside the top 40 or outside the top 30, but yet they're leading the Pac-12 some years in draft picks. It's incredible what's happening at Utah, considering a decade ago they were, you know, in the Mountain West or at the non-AQ level. So all these programs in the Pac-12 had decades of uh, a head start on the Power Five level, and already Utah's closed the gap and taken the lead. So when you're talking about moving from number one, I think Utah was number one in my last two books. Uh, they're number three this year. That was because nobody went pro. Um, and also factored with, and this is a good thing if you're a Utah fan, uh, the recruiting has gone up. So you're no longer uh, one of those teams middle of the pack recruiting. You're pushing for top 25 classes now. Top, uh, you know, a top 31 in 2020, and they were literally 31st in uh, this last cycle. So uh, recruiting's improving, and uh, I think you're in for a huge NFL draft output next year now in the meantime let's uh let's get some wins right you want to <laughs> execute on these uh peaks of your of your developmental cycles so uh you want to you know uh, execute this fall hey hey brett so one thing that i love about uh, one of the, the formulas and what you do is is your game graders you know looking at it uh basically at your game grader of 10 years you know utah was about uh, ranked 25th Five years, thirteen. The last three years, they're they're up into the top ten. Kind of explain to to the listeners what what your how you determine that game grader and the growth of Utah over that basically that last decade. Yeah, so game grader basically uh, this is a one man company, Fix Six Previews. It's just me, and uh, on a fall Saturday, I'll have four TVs going for fourteen hours. I'll I'll open them up at noon, uh, and then I'll be finishing up two a.m. with the Pac-12 Network, uh, finishing up their late game. So. But what I'm getting at is I try and catch it all in real time, but a lot of the time you just see a score come across the ticker and you'll see 21-20 and have no context of what happened that day or uh, really what went down. So I, de- I designed this formula that takes in more than just the box score, more than just the final score. So you're looking at, you know, obviously margin of victory is big, but uh, yardage differential, uh, yards per play, explosive plays, efficient plays, uh, turnover margin, all these kind of different factors that uh, dig a little deeper. At the end of the day, I want to also adjust that for the opponent's strength because uh, beating up on Colorado 45 nothing, 
is a lot different than beating up on USC 45 nothing in most years. So um, it's got all that baked into it. And I know that sound, it may sound boring, but uh, that's just one graphic on the page. I put it back into nice readable terms uh, on the right side of the page. But, um, yeah, it's a way to get a number and a grade on these teams each game and then a season average. That way I can compare across divisions and conferences. So, Brett, you mentioned that you, you know, were able to talk to, to Morgan Scally. And I know as you've come on you know, this show in the past, you, you've mentioned that. You've kind of built a, a little bit of a rapport with Scally. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are with the secondary for Utah. Uh, I know you mentioned that it was extremely young um, last season, and you know, again, it's going to be kind of on the on the younger side. Uh, but as you've dived into this roster, as you've spoken with Coach Scally, what what's kind of your thoughts on the secondary? Yeah. So first off, I think he's one of the best in the game uh, as defensive coordinator. And of course he has his roots there as a, def- as a defensive back. So that's his area of expertise. Uh, what you had in 2019 was really special. That whole group went pro. And then your fifth guy, if I remember it was uh, Hubert was knocked out in the Pac-12 title game. And I think was out all of 2020. So not only were all four starters gone, basically your fifth man also was out for 2020. So extremely young first off. Uh, and then you're talking about 2020 with no spring ball, no summer camp. And if you remember with the Pac-12, I think that they were delayed a bit more like the Big Ten. Uh, so just all that valuable time. I remember last year he was telling me, last spring we talked to, uh, you know, it's impossible to teach fundamentals over Zoom. I mean, <laughs> especially March 2020 Zoom. So, um, yeah, I think that this was a much needed uh, long spring ball and full off season just for player development for these guys. And, and look, for what it's worth, they got on-the-job training as, as young guys, as new starters, and they did well. Um, you know, re- relatively, they did really well um, talking against, you know, opponent quarterback rating and completion percentage and defending explosive passes. Any kind of passing metric you, you look at, they were near the top 25. Uh, so now for 2021, you get all that experience back. You have three of the four starters are back. Clark Phillips has real, uh, really nice star power. He had that pick six in the final game. Um, and was also Utah's highest recruit ever. So he's back there after a great true freshman season. Avante uh, Davis, he could push for all Pac-12 recognition as well. And um, like I said, I think they'll just get a nice second-year bonus together as a full unit and a full offseason. Hey, Brett, um, you've got, like you, like you mentioned, you've got Utah winning the South. You've got Arizona State coming in at number two. With, with the recent developments of their – of the problems they're having with the program and some coaches being on administrative leave. Do you think that plays any factor into that and may may change? Yeah. So that was definitely a developing situation. Uh, I remember I had already written my, my first copy of Arizona state and I was pretty set on them at number two. And then uh, if you remember back in June, I think it was, or may um, all that news broke out of nowhere. So um, I kind of had to figure out what I was going to do with them, how to place them within the South, which is really a crowded division with Utah, USC, and UCLA, all, all legit contenders. Um, you know, it's impossible to know what's going on behind the scenes, locker room-wise. The only thing tangible that I could look at was transfer portal. You know, if it was bad enough that you were going to have a meltdown season, I thought that maybe you'd see some transfers out of there. Um, but I checked a few times, and there weren't any post uh, post the news of that. So, uh, it's only one little thing I could look at, but uh, so that kind of held on. I, I kept them in my top 20 nationally. I kept them second in the South. Now, the more recent developments since I published were these two assistant coaches being placed on leave, and they aren't coordinators. I know that, but if this starts to stretch into you're losing coordinators or half your staff, 
or if players are opting out, you know, that's going to go beyond my control with the July publish. But, um, yeah, there's always that possibility that this thing melts down. Um, you know, the only other similar case could be maybe talk about Iowa last offseason. And it wasn't an NCAA scandal, but it was locker room issues uh, and allegations being thrown at their staff. And um, many said, oh, don't put Iowa in the top 25. They're going to melt down. And um, they, they had one of the best defenses ever and uh, were really a few plays away from an undefeated season. So these kind of off-season off stories, they really can go either way. Either a team really bonds over it or it melts down. And, you know, it's, uh, there's no way to predict it. So, Brett, with the, the pick six preview that you put together, you obviously cover all the major conferences uh, in college football. And we've seen over the last couple weeks with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the SEC that now there's a lot of talk about what that means for the future of college football and, and, and conference alignment. What can, as you're going through the different conferences, I've I got a two-part question for you. One, you know, you being an East Coast media member, what's the view of the Pac-12 kind of outside of the footprint where we are? And what do you think the Pac-12 needs to do to stay relevant in, in all of this? Yeah, well, those are great questions. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to give you an outside the, the West Coast footprint perspective, but I almost don't think I'm the best example to ask because I, I love the Pac-12. I love staying up till 2 a.m. Like I said, I try and catch anything I can. Um, but I'll talk about the typical East Coaster who, let's just say they're a Big Ten alumni or an ACC alumni. Uh, they'll watch their game at noon or 3.30. They'll, um, you know, they'll watch the ABC night game at 8 p.m. out here. Well, I guess it's just 6 p.m. for you guys. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. They, they don't check into the Pac-12 too often um, unless the, the Pac-12 gets flexed up to a, no, a more normal TV time. Um, and then also uh, a second effect of it is that uh, you're, if you're watching a game, if you're watching the primetime game or the 3.30 game, you're seeing highlights from games earlier in the day, but the Pac-12 hasn't played yet. So you just don't see much Pac-12 highlights unless you're really looking for it like I am. So uh, they're kind of, I'll say one part they're hidden you know, it's it's uh, a lot of a lot of uh, TVs out here don't have the Pac-12 network either. You got to pay a certain package to get it. So, I'd say they're kind of hidden from the East Coast, um, and it's part laziness, I guess, that not everyone's as dedicated to stay up till 2 a.m. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, with uh, with pro sports big on the East Coast and uh, all these Big Ten and ACC big schools where most people went to, and then you have the South with their own ecosystem of SEC schools. I I just say the Pac-12 is kind of hidden. Um, and one last remark on the reputation is, and I hate this, but the way that it's gone uh, from the national media is that it's playoff or bust. That's kind of the new thing the last five or 10 years, how it's all about the playoff. And if your conference has a playoff team that somehow is a reflection of the strength of the entire conference, again, I disagree with that. But I think the ACC gets a benefit from Clemson being in there, even though it's just Clemson, the rest of the conference is terrible. Um, same with Ohio State and the Big Ten. You know, Ohio State will make it every year, and somehow that legitimizes the Big Ten as a strong, powerful conference when really it's just Ohio State. Meanwhile, the opposite is true with the Pac-12, where I think it's solid football. It's above-average teams, maybe some strong teams year to year, uh, not, maybe not so much a consistent playoff elite team. And I don't think that's a knock on a conference. You know, that shouldn't be the, the, the only determination. So uh, because the Pac-12 hasn't been in the national playoff, I think some people view that as it must be a weak conference. But I think the contrary. I think it's just a powerful league that beats up on each other. So as you as you were you were talking and you talked about how 
the the time slots with with the Pac-12. You know, one thing that they kind of experienced or experienced. No, what's the word I'm looking for? Experiment. Experimented uh, this past season was having earlier kickoffs. Talking about what 9 a.m. Uh, you know Pacific time. Did did earlier times like that resonate at all with with East Coast? Yeah, I mean, they were on some of the national broadcasts too, so that gets you eyeballs. Um, that gets you guys into the discussion a bit. It's really also hard to compare for a couple reasons with 2020. I mean, number one, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, they were starting so late into the season. Um, now, granted, I'm, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad you got games. I'm just saying, uh, while they were in their season kickoff for week two in the Pac-12, the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, they're like, uh, you know, they're seven and two versus five and one and uh, just way more into the season. It almost felt like two different seasons uh, at some points, but uh, that and then also too, uh, since all stadiums were pretty much empty or a lot of them were empty, I guess it didn't uh, matter too much to flex a game up on the Pac-12 West Coast uh, at, into a 9 a.m. slot for you guys. But in a normal season uh, with full capacities and full tailgates and full alumni weekends, that'd be pretty brutal to tell some alumni that are flying home, uh, you know, to see a home game and uh, you're told, yeah, your kickoff is 9 a.m. So you better start tailgating early. <laughs> So it's just a, it's a cost benefit thing, I guess. I mean, uh, yeah, you're going to get more eyeballs on the East coast and you'll be in more highlight packages throughout the Saturday, but you might be alienating your, your most core audience, your actual people that want to go to the games or, or your alumni within your footprint there on the West coast. So, uh, it's fascinating. I, I love this stuff. I love the regionality of the sport. And I think that ties into your second part of your question where you were talking conference realignment and, and what my thoughts were. And look, I'll be honest, I guess I'm traditional on this or I'm old fashioned, but I love when the sport was all about the regionality, the regions, you know, you win your state, your, your border rival, and then you go compete for your conference title within your, your region and then go to your bowl game. Um, the national stuff was the afterthought. It was really win your region first. And you've seen the whole paradigm shift where it's now coming from a national only matters. The playoff only matters. It's only the playoff. Uh, the New Year's six barely matters even. And then all the way down to your region. So, um, and what's at play there is it's it's TV. So, from the TV perspective, yeah, the map's going to be all carved up. But from an old traditional football fan, college football fan uh, perspective, like me, I say keep the Pac-12 on the on the Pacific Coast. Really own that region. Stay at 12. If you have to expand, add someone else in that footprint, like a Boise State. Um, or I, I don't even want to say it on this podcast, but maybe another team out there that starts with a B. Move along, um, Brett. Move along, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know what I'm getting at. You know, keep it on the West Coast and, and try and keep your traditions together because that's really what makes it special. It's playing your rivals, winning your state battles, and winning your conference footprint, and going to the Rose Bowl. And you know, if you make a playoff, great. But uh, I think the, I don't know, the whole like um, motivations have flipped nationally. Brett, I can't thank you enough, again, taking time out of your busy schedule just to, to talk with us. Uh, can you kind of let our, our listeners know where they can find you, where they can get your stuff, and, and, and most importantly, where can they buy your book? Yeah, thanks so much. Well, like I said, I, I love coming on here. You guys do an excellent job. Um, I try and catch a lot of it during the season, the shows, but what I like to do is uh, you know, in the middle of dead winter, February, March, I go back and re-listen to, to podcasts and try and relive the season from these teams' perspectives. So uh, you guys are my go-to for Utah in that regard. Um, you know, I'll never forget the 2019 season, too, since I was following them extra closely, uh, tuning in every Friday, getting your predictions and your, your preview shows. So keep up the excellent work. Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand the, the, the time commitment and the difficulty of putting together a podcast and a high-quality one at that. So 
Um, you know, my hats are off to you guys. Keep it up. Uh, from my point of view, it's uh, pick6previews.com and at pick6previews on Twitter. Uh, specifically with Twitter, it's been great getting to know and, and interact with a ton of Utah fans and, uh, and seeing your rivalry firsthand. I mean, I think it's something that is glossed over nationally when they only talk about Alabama and Ohio State and, and those rivalries. But seeing you guys in BYU every day, it'll be the middle of February and you guys are going at it over something. So, But, hey, at the, at the end of the day, I love the passion because – uh, you know, it's rare to find anymore. So keep it up. Um, Pick6previews.com, at Pick6previews. And uh, on the site, I have a couple sample pages. If uh, if you're new to the book and want to see, you know, the set of infographics I do for each team and the level of detail, uh, a couple samples there for you. And you can't, you can't leave us without talking about the mini helmets because the mini helmets are a Twitter, like, they're famous on Phenomenon. Twitter. They're amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for bringing it up. Um, so if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen I've been posting uh, my helmet board every uh, every Saturday morning for the last like eight years. It's a way that I can get my predictions out on a Saturday morning and I show the, the 20 best matchups and my predicted winners on the left side of the board. Uh, and for years, I was getting messages. Hey, do you make these? Do you sell these? Um, I never got around to building up uh, an inventory. But yeah, I do design them. I, they're custom mini helmets. They're the two inch kind that uh, that Rydell makes for the NFL. You can buy an NFL set, but what I do is I customize them for colleges um, and not just the current editions, but, you know, being so detail oriented, I love digging into this. I do the throwback styles, alternate styles, um, high schools. I do high schools in bulk. Uh, you know, some booster clubs like to give them out as senior awards or gifts. Uh, so yeah, it's really just blown up uh, the last, what, 10 months or so. And uh, to the Utah fans out there, I'm working on the Utah youth set. I'm trying to get a 10 helmet set together. Uh, and it's a, a blessing and a curse because at other schools like Penn state, I could do a set in a, in a couple hours. They have two <laughs> designs but with, with Utah. There's so many cool designs. I, I don't want to sell it short. So I'm digging in. A lot of these are tough, uh, tough designs to do, but I'm telling you once it's ready, it's going to look sweet. I have about seven designs so far. Um, you know, the interlocking U logo on the white helmet, uh, one of those on silver too. Uh, what else? The Utah, um, USA flag alternate from, I think, 2013 or so, uh, throwbacks and some of these alternates too. these, uh, Ute nation and Ute pride, uh, alternates. So you guys gave me a lot to work with, uh, with designs. I'm loving it. But, uh, once this gets out there, it's going to be something to see. Oh, I can't awesome. wait. I, I got to get a set. You got to let it, let us know when they're, when they're ready. We gotta, we gotta get a set or two. Brett, thank you For so sure. much, buddy. Appreciate you take your time and, and you fans, you gotta go get this book. It, I promise you, it is well worth it, and I we talked a lot of Utah, a lot of Pac-12, but it covers college football in depth, the P5 teams, the teams that you love, the teams that Utah plays against. That's the other thing I love about this. It gives you some insight on, on who Utah's playing. Brett, appreciate it, and we'll, we'll talk soon, buddy. Yeah, thanks, guys, and good luck this fall to the Utes. All right, always great. Uh, to talk to Brett. Uh, we get to take a quick break, and, and when we come back, I, I really want to let's just dive into what, he, what we talked about with Brett. I have a lot of thoughts about it. All right, so big thank you to, to Brett Stancy for from Pick Six Previews. Honestly, he has been a great 
kind of, I don't want to call him a fan, but just someone that helped, that, a great Utah supporter on the East Coast, which I think is pretty rare from a, a national media member. Well, I mean, you take it one step further, let alone his support, but just the fact that he's paying attention to Utah. Whereas, you know, he talked about is there's so many people on the East Coast, whether it's lazy, just don't have an interest, they focus on their team, they're done. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's engaged. He knows what's happening in the Pac-12. He knows the struggles. He knows the successes. He knows what teams are doing. And, and he knows a lot about this Utah program. And he, and he does it year in and year out. He's doing his homework. He's staying, staying in touch. And that's, that's, that's the information you're going to get from his book. It's genuine. And it's it's legit good information because it's not just fluff that he's that he's taking and uh, regurgitating every year. It's it's legit stuff. Um, he's talking to the coaches. He's he knows in, the players. Yeah, I mean he's staying in, in contact of what what what's happening in the transfer portals, you know, and just who's graduating, who's staying. I mean he just he knows. I just it comes down to he knows these rosters, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of fan bases. Let's be honest, in the Pac-12, there's a lot of lazy fan bases in the Pac-12. And here he's on the East Coast, and he knows some of these rosters better than some of their fan bases. So it's it's pretty impressive what he's done. Four TVs for 14 hours every Saturday, awesome. every fall. He's, awesome. he's living the dream, guys. <laughs> yeah. How do we get on that? My wife doesn't let me do that. <laughs> the, the, the thing that, uh, as we're talking to Brett, that I, I think really just hit with me is how he talked about kind of like the, the – the traditional feel of college football when we were talking about expansion. Um, and I really think that's where you get from his, his book is it's, it's not, Oh, who, who's the flashy team this year type thing. It's really looking at all his stats go back for the last five years, for the last 10 years. These are the trends that this teams are doing. And I think that's why he has Utah in high regard as he does is because it's it's all about what has Utah done over the course of X amount of years. And I think that goes back to Kyle Winningham, the program he runs. And as a fan, as someone that, that, that loves the university and loves this team, we know that here. It's how do we get that out outside of our little community of Utah fans and and Brett is just a, a great ally in, in that aspect. You know how else we do that? We win the dang Pac-12. Let's go to the playoffs. We need to do. How about that, That's Utes? what they need to do. Go, go to the Pac-12 championship game and win it. Rose Bowl, here we come. Although Rose Bowl's not in the playoff this year. <laughs> I'd take the Rose Bowl, though. If, even if it's, it's not consolation. the playoff, I'd take the it's Rose Bowl. It's a good Bowl. consolation. <laughs> All right, so that will do it for this episode. Um, again, just want to give a big shout-out to you know all our listeners out there uh, for for helping keeping this thing going i know we we had to take some time off uh but just appreciate all the messages all the dms that that we got honestly it's it's those things that that keep us going that support that keeps the show going as as what we're going into our eighth football season uh just just crazy to think about ryan where can people find you on twitter they can find me at drum and feather that's drum the letter n feather and Scott, you can find me. Just look for Old Man Peace. Um, you can find me Ute Man underscore Forever. 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And you can find us anywhere you listen to a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon. We're all there. Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till a decade. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.